podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a go and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemann. De Bruyne. And it's what Martinelli scores. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinker. It's game week six, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable I was going to have Davina on this week to obviously highlight Arsenal versus Tottenham, but unfortunately, um, she was not able to be on this week. Instead, we've asked someone to take the short trip from behind the glass to in front of the mic, Mr. Executive Producer Guy Drinkle. Guy, how was your trip? And, and, and thank you for stepping in. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Uh, I'd like to start by apologizing to West Ham. Um, my uh, prediction is no, 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 no. I'm the reason they're having a good start to the season. No, but I, yeah, that that prediction when we come to the midway point of the season, it is going to be crossed off. And so I, I apologise to David Moyes as well. He he he's doing a very good job, but I I really need Harlem to stop doing the goals, or I may have already lost the predictions. Um, so yeah, West Ham either just. Start playing really badly and fire David Moyes. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Moyes yeah. will be sacked by game week 16. You heard it here yeah. first on a tad predictable guy drinkle Just in our time. reckless predictions podcast before the season started. Look, I, I, I made some calls as well. I mean, I said Kane was going to win the golden boot. I'm looking at the fine print. Did I say which league it was going to be in? I, I can't remember. It's a bit hazy now. Yeah. But. We love those predictions because we are tasked with making spicy predictions. Um, if they're too boring, they're not allowed and they don't necessarily go through the, 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 the scrutiny of the dubious predictions panel that we have on a tad predictable, but I, I need looted and hard. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if those come true, but guy, obviously a little housekeeping at time of recording we have not seen the monday night football game yet um now obviously burnley and and nottingham forest will be playing in that one any thoughts on that game before we kick on to to the fixtures for this weekend coming up yeah it should be a fun game obviously but when this is out the game will probably be done um but no i think forest have had a really good start to the season uh they currently say 12th, obviously, with a game in hand. Um, their home form was really good last season, and Taiwo uh, Awani, I think that's how you pronounce his name properly, yeah. um, started the season on fire, so it'd be nice, it'd be good to see if he can continue and 
Gibbs White seems to be growing in each game, and Alanga, if he starts getting the Brennan Johnson minute, he could have a big season. And, and Burnley, it's I think I've said this to a couple of times uh, when I've spoke to Dave on the Friday shows up on Two Footed. Teams like Luton and Burnley, you're still trying to like learn what they're all about because obviously Burnley have signed a million new players and they were coming up from the Championship. Um, so I'll, I'll be watching. Um, but I guess Forest are favourites just because they're at home and seem to have a much more settled team this season. Yeah, I, I think I would probably put Forest favourites. I do like the signings that they made in the summer. I think they're going to have an interesting, fun season. Um, this weekend, though, Guy, we obviously got that North London derby that we're going to get to. But we've got another London derby happening. It's Crystal Palace versus Fulham. It's at Salhurst Park. Obviously, one of those things that you look for is the time when the game is on at Salhurst Park. Because I, I think evening games at Salhurst Park are infinitely better than many a games in any stadium in England. But it's a three o'clock kickoff. There are no twelve thirty kickoffs, and maybe this is a sore topic for for you being a Liverpool fan with Klopp being in the news last week with regards to twelve thirty kickoffs. But three o'clock kickoff, Crystal Palace versus Fulham. How do you see this game going? Obviously, Crystal Palace will be coming off of that three one defeat to Aston Villa, which which came late, guy. There were a lot of goals really late. Palace probably feel hard done by and should have expected to have come away with something in that game considering what had happened uh during that game um and then obviously Fulham they get that all important 1-0 win over Luton maybe they were expecting to do a bit more damage to them um but as Amelia mentioned on last week's episode she was saying look we 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 have to win games like this start getting points on the board and and trying to distance ourselves as much as possible from any relegation talks yeah, yeah, I think Amelia was right um, from an outsider perspective. I mean, Fulham sat on seven points um, in a somewhat difficult start. I mean, I know they've played Arsenal, City, the other hard team. Yeah, so they've played Arsenal and City in the, in the first five games. Uh, and, and even Brentford, it, it, it's three of the harder teams you come into face in the Premier League. So they've had a good start to the season, especially when you're considering... Probably rightfully so. I think most people look at the summer and just go, eh, what is this? why? Mm. Um, so in, in terms of that, I think, yeah, just getting points on the board, maybe get through to January. Probably more likely Polina stays till the summer window now with the new contract. If it's a release clause crack, we won't know. But um, it'll be interesting to see what Fulham do up front because obviously Raul Jimenez not doing great, but um, Vinicius came on and scored, didn't he? And he seems more like a Mitrovic replacement to me than what Raul Jimenez is now, um, rather than the player we used to all love in his first um, few years at Wolves. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets a run. Um, and I know he had, a, he had an extended run when Mitrovic... Um, assaulted the referee by tapping him. <laughs> um, so that'll be interesting from a Fulham point of view. But no, you're right with the with the Palace um, game against uh, Villa. Um, Villa seem to be the better team throughout. I've only seen the match of the day highlights. They seem to be the more 
dangerous team in the game, but to get it to that so late on, and obviously Palace were winning, um, I can't remember which goal was the penalty. It was either the second or the third. But that, I thought initially it was a penalty, but I think it's Chris Richards' first name. He does touch the ball, seemingly. So I think that was a harsh penalty. So I think they were unlucky against Villa. Um, but I'd probably make Palace favourites on this because they have seemingly found a way to play. They've started using Mateta and Edouard up front and it seems to be quite dangerous. Um, Eze has started the season well. Elise hasn't. I don't, I'm not sure if he's fit yet, actually. Um, but I'd make Palace the favourites because they seem a bit more consistent in what they're doing. I think it'll be a bit of an ugly game, though, so I'll go 2-1 Palace. 2-1 to Palace in that one. Yeah, and I, Look, I, I think the only thing I have concern with with Fulham is how long it took them to get that goal in the game against Luton. Now, obviously, Luton tried to make it difficult for them, um, but you would have expected Fulham to at least have a slightly more bit, you know, quality uh, than they showed in front of goal in, in, in that one. For Palace, I think they've been okay this season. Obviously, didn't have Roy Hodgson um on on in in the dugout this weekend, obviously we wish him well and and any you know speedy recoveries of it mm-hmm. and and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I do fancy Palace in this one as well. I've gone one nil to Palace, slightly more conservative yeah. than you, but I, I do think that Palace see see Fulham. I think they match them in midfield, even with the likes of Pelinia in there. I think the likes of Decore from Palace's perspective will be able to match them. Should be a really good battle in midfield and then it's about which team is going to have the players that are going to be clinical enough um i i I would fancy crystal palace at this point in time at this juncture uh and the way that they've played this season despite them coming off of a loss speaking of coming off of a loss um we've got luton and we've got wolves in the next game guy now maybe you have more insight into wolves a team that you your Liverpool played recently, but also Luton. We mentioned the game against Fulham. Um, some positives to take out of that game, obviously, first and foremost, the scoreline, and then um, uh, sort of how well they, they they would feel they accounted for themselves in that game. It's a home game for Luton, guy. Are, are these the type of games against a Wolves who I infamously predicted were going to go down this season in our reckless predictions? Is this a game that... Luton will be looking at it and saying, okay, Fulham, we were close, didn't quite get a result. We have to get something from this Wolves game. And at what point, if Luton are going to stay up, as you predicted now, Reckless Predictions podcast, is one point enough for them in this one? Um, Probably not, is it? I think if you, if you want to kickstart your season, you have to win against a team that most people would probably think is in the relegation scrap with you. Um, it's weird. I didn't actually get to watch the Liverpool Wolves game. I was I was down at a barbecue in September. Ah, oh, lovely. Hey, um, one of those days. Um, so yeah, but I have watched Wolves a couple times this season. I've obviously watched the Liverpool highlights. Um, they're a weird team, aren't they? And it's it was not well, not not from a Liverpool point of view, but it was <laughs> nice to see Pedro Neto. Um show some form because after his is it a couple big injuries or was it one big injury I think it might have been a couple injuries isn't it? Um, he just didn't seem the same player when I think he was in conversation for young player of the year 
a couple of years ago. Um, so if he can get back to form, that that's huge for Wolves, and that may be something that tips the scales in terms of survival, maybe even comfortable survival. I think that's how good a player he was becoming. Um, but no, I think you're dead right on loot, and they have to um, be targeting this as a win. And, and, and you you mentioned as well that their performance against Fulham was the most promising of the season. Um, off the top of my head, I think it's probably the easiest game. West Ham, Chelsea, Brighton, uh, and I can't remember who they played. The, oh, no, they've only played four, haven't they? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that Fulham was the easiest game of the season so far for them, for them probably, and this one, you'd say, being at home as well, um, probably a smidge easier. But Luton did hit, I think they hit the bar a couple times. Lennel made a couple good saves. Um, so, yeah, as someone who needs Luton to stay up for this podcast, <laughs> I have to back them. Um, but I think, again, it'll probably be a bit of an ugly game, but I'll go 1-0 Luton. 1-0 to Luton, and they get this campaign sort of rolling there. Yeah, I I, I echo your your thoughts on Neto, and it was nice to see a, a left-footed player playing on the left-hand side, looking to create for others and not just for himself, uh, sort of rolling back the years there in terms of what we expect from wingers or, or wide forwards as they're now more commonly known uh, in this era of football. But I think Wolves are going to have more than enough for, for Luton in this one. I do still, obviously, I still have that prediction hanging over my head. But I have been impressed with Gary O'Neill, how he's gotten the team sort of galvanized mm-hmm. against, each, um, um, you know, galvanized together. The fans seem to have slightly bought in. I don't know if they're fully bought in yet, but they were really loud, uh, obviously, until Liverpool then went on to win the game. But I do think there is reason to to be optimistic if you're a Wolves fan and, and seeing some of the performances they have. The only issue for them is if they keep having these performances but the result doesn't reflect the performances, that's probably when the frustration will kick in for, for the fans. Um, we've seen a couple of games now where they could have easily finished games off. We, we look at that Liverpool game. We look at the Man United game at the beginning of the season. These would have been massive six point, point hauls. Um, if they had gotten those, those, those games over the line and they could have, they could have easily blown Liverpool out of the water in that first half. So a bit of frustration there for them in terms of, not finishing the teams off, but the performances will be promising and probably hold them in good stead going forward for the rest of the season. I've gone 2-0 to Wolves in this one. I think the goals that were missing at Liverpool, they get them in this one and, and they try and, you know, start climbing up the table a little bit more than they can. But I don't think Man City can climb any further. Guy, they're top of the table. They've won every game. Um, should we give them the title now, or will Nottingham Forest be able to cause them some some sort of issues? Uh, I'm afraid Liverpool will win on the title. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe not. Probably not. Funny, uh, funny, but no, funny. Man City are. Uh, it's almost got to the stage where it's like just sleepwalking through the league. It's almost like zombie-ish. It's horror movie type stuff. It's terrifying. Um, because even when you've watched them this season, even if it is just highlights, you sat there and you're like, have they even played well? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I know Haaland missed a couple uh, easy chances at the weekend, yeah. but you're just like... I, like, when if I'm watching Liverpool, I know when we play well. Like, that Villa game, we were, like, magnificent. And obviously the Wolves game, we played quite badly. 
Um, the other games are a bit weaker, so obviously you don't ten men. Um, but you just like we've been electric here, whereas Man City can thump a team three and ill, and you just sat there like they didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a horrid situation, but yeah, they, they'll win the league and they should win this game. Um, it being obviously we don't have as much info as Forest play in a couple hours, um, but Forest do have the tools to hurt a team like C. They're obviously good on the counter attack. They've got pace and uh, and power up front with a, a one e and um, a Langer and Gibbs White can do moments of magic as I mentioned in the uh, little preview bit beforehand. Um, in the midfield, it'll be interesting to see Sangare um, if he plays tonight. But I'm not sure when the AF. Con lads got back, and obviously this would be his debut, so weird, maybe not. Um, yeah, but even if, I mean, you've still got good midfield like Danilo, Mangala, um, they've got new lads like Dominguez. I'm not going through all the Forest players, it'll take up 10 hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if it was any other team, I would think, yeah, Forest could spring a surprise, but not not this city team. I mean, they were missing um, Kovacic at the weekend, weren't they? And it, it just didn't even like cross my mind. <laughs> it's and that was against West Ham. Um, so yeah, I'll go. I think Forest will get a goal because Man City seem to have the odd defensive slip nowadays. Um, but I'll I'll, I'll go with a three-one to Man City. Three-one to Man City in that one. Do you have any pause knowing that? Champions League footballers back and maybe, you know, City will have that that game in their legs heading into this one, or is it just an, a matter of squad depth being way too strong? Well, seeing as they got drew into a Europa Conference League group, probably <laughs> not. <laughs> um, I think it's... I'm not sure if it's home or away. If it's away, maybe. I think they're in, playing against Red Star in the middle of the week. Uh, I will Google that. Um, city fixtures. D D D D. It's at home. Even. It's at home. They're yeah. at home, but if yeah. you could pronounce the team that they're playing. That, that that's Red Star Belgrade. Okay. It's just, so. That's just. Um, I'm guessing that's in Serbia. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's Red Star Belgrade to us people who can't speak. <laughs> um But um, yeah, it's it's at home. They do have a few injuries, don't they? Um, but they could just probably plop out a few academy kids and be fine. Because, I mean, they played Cole Palmer for a week and got 50 mil for him, so you know. <laughs> it doesn't seem to make a difference. But no, I'll, I'll stick with a free one. But no, I think in the future, maybe when they're away at Leipzig or away to Serbia, uh, I can't remember the other team in their group, actually. Um, but the, the away to Serbia, we had that as Liverpool fans. We went there in 2019 or 18, and I think we lost. Um, and it's obviously a mental atmosphere and terrifying at the same time, but, um, just the, just the travel and, um, they've got a few injuries, but no, not, not for this game. Maybe, maybe in a couple of weeks time. Yeah. Young boys obviously rounds up young that, boys. Yes. that group for their Champions League excavation this season I've gone 2-1 City I do have a feeling the Champions League does have an effect in this game I think it, it might take them a little bit longer to get going I like the way Nottingham Forest are playing they're quite solid and compact at the back 
looking to spring on the counter-attack. We know what they're going to do in this game. We, I, I think they've got at least a goal in them in this one. They're going to make it difficult for City. Um, but yeah, City just seem too strong at the moment. And as you say, sort of zombie walking their way to another Premier League title unless someone can do something about it this season. Well, let's move on to Brentford versus Everton. Now, oh, Everton, I mean, there was a point when the fears of Everton being the bogey team for Arsenal were starting to creep in the longer that game stayed nil-nil guy. Eventually, Arsenal get the, the goal. They win 1-0. Can Everton take something from that? You know, um, they caused Arsenal some problems at times. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a, a, a slightly different game. I think. I think maybe they're going to be a little bit more up and down against Brentford. Brentford prefer to to sort of make the games end to end and 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 fancy their chances on you know coming back at you with the likes of I, I don't know if Rico Henry obviously he had that little concern um, early on in the game whether he's I going did to see be on Twitter he week. might be out all season. Is that it? May have, that may have just been. I think it was an FPL thing. I can't remember so unless he was getting trolled or doing the trolling, but. Uh, it might be one to Google, but no, I, yeah, sorry, anyway, to, uh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, they said we know it's a knee injury, but we don't know what the situation exactly is. Let's see on Monday before we make too many conclusions. So he's being tested today at some, um, at some point to t- uh, in time today, and then we'll probably know more about what that injury is. But yeah, obviously in Buemo, the big talking point, you mentioned fantasy football. He blanked this week. Um, much to the chagrin of my fantasy team. But, Guy, the games are running out for Everton to start to need to win games. And then they have a tough fixture against Brentford away from home. Are you giving them a chance in this one? Is there any resilience that you saw in that Everton team that was evident during the Arsenal game? Um, No. No, that game was dreadfully dull. Uh, um, I mean, if they can make it that boring again, they may get banned off television for a while. So I don't know how they've got two games in a row on Sky, but you know. <laughs> um, I think you're right in terms of it'll. They'll have more opportunities to attack because Brentford do like to counter attack. But I don't think that suits Everton. I think they want to counter-attack as well because watching them against Arsenal try and play out from the back was amateur hour. Like Pickford. Pickford probably could play out from the back. but Why does he do that? Like, over-exaggerated dummy. <laughs> like, do you know what? you know what I mean? It was like... It was like Chuckle Brothers stuff. He was like doing a, a big hop, skip and a jump before passing it two yards to the left when he was faking it to the right. He's like, that doesn't do anything. You're trying to play up from the back, not lure them onto you. So you're not going to play through the press. And then he'll play it out to the left back, he'll play it to the centre back, and then the centre back pumps it 70 yards. Hey, hey, what, what's the plan there? Like, um, I like Sh- Sean Dice's journey at... at um, at uh, Burnley. But this Everton team is like more boring and more tragic than any of those Burnley teams. They can't play out from the back. 
because I think that was an underrated facet of, of of the Burnley team. Ben Mee and Tarkovsky used to be able to play out, play through the lines quite well. Whereas Tarkovsky mm. seems to have regressed now. Brantway doesn't seem to have any confidence on the ball. Um, Ashley Young, it's the year 2023. Um, the midfield is there to just exist, seemingly. I like Onana, but Jusagana Gay is nowhere near the player he was in his first Everton spell. Um, Dukure is like, not, not even Lidl. What's the worst supermarket? Farm foods. It's like a farm food Frank <laughs> Lampard. <laughs> All he does is run late into the box and he doesn't do anything else. Um, um, my only interest is if they play the two massive lads up front in Calvert-Lewin and Beto and just whip it. Yeah. 80-yard crosses, whip it. <laughs> Can we <laughs> go back to yeah. a traditional 4-4-2? Put, put Dwight McNeil on one side. Yeah. I don't know what we do on the right-hand side. That's probably something that they need to figure Any out. Any right-footed lad. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley Young right mid. Don't, yeah, yeah, ask Ashley Young if, if he can roll back the years. He doesn't need to um, roll back. Just have him whip it. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at their team. Um, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's O'Neill. It? It's, it's O'Neill on the left. I don't know who you put on there. Dan Juma? Maybe put Dan Juma on the right and just ask him to hug the touchline, get chalk on your boots, son, and whip it into the box. And then you have Beto and Calvert-Lewin up top. Beto, I think, has looked interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's willing to take players on. He seems to be the ball carrier in this team whenever they're looking to go forward. If he can sort of maybe play slightly deeper, then you have Calvert-Lewin, you know, leading the line, playing on the shoulder of, of defenders, that could be interesting. And we've seen Sean Dyche 4-4-2 formations do really well in the Premier League. I, I'm hoping that either he gets enough time, because we, we, we never know with Everton. They could decide tomorrow that they don't want him. And obviously, there's impending owners coming in. They might want something different there. I think 4-4-2, you've got the two big lads up top. Make it really compact defensively. Look to break with the wingers. I think, yeah, Danjuma and, and McNeil as wide players, perfectly fine. I think Onana can handle himself in midfield, in a midfield too. Um, they've got the bones of what could be a, a really interesting rollback the years for Sean Dyche type of team. I don't know if we see that team yet. And considering we're not going to see that team yet, I've gone 2-0 to Brentford. I'd actually, I'd agree with the Brentford win. Um, just to make it different. Boo, God. Um, 3-0 Brentford, because I have Wisser in my FPL instead of Ambuemo. So, let's oh. get a yeah, Wisser hat-trick, let's get it. All right, Wisser hat-trick. Now, Guy, we have been running a poll and it's still going on at a tad predictable. I think there's over 300 and odd votes um, where we were going with, we were asking fans for the biggest winners of the weekend and the biggest losers of the weekend or who was the biggest loser of the weekend. Obviously for the biggest winner of the weekend, we've got at the moment Brighton who have 51% of the votes, Liverpool 24, Spurs 23, Fulham have 2%. 
And then the biggest winner of the weekend, Spurs at 23%, Brighton at 51%, uh, Fulham at 2%, Liverpool 24%. I've just repeated the same one. Sorry. Yeah. I, don't know. I, was, <laughs> I just realized I like, I'll let him roll with it. <laughs> Sorry. The biggest loser of the weekend um, is Everton at 5%. Crystal Palace at 1%, Chelsea at 13%, but Man United at 81%. I mean, I mean, that's as emphatic as it gets in my books. They come up against Burnley, who, as we've said, we haven't been impressed with them this season. We caveat that saying we haven't seen their game on Monday Night Football. But from what I've seen from Burnley so far, with company trying to be a Man City light without having players that are able to play Man City ball in the Premier League and then also him trying to be too clever I think at times with the change of formations and tactics during games um, which have come back to bite him more so in that Spurs game when when at half time they were still in it and then by the time he made his changes at half time they come out and then get absolutely destroyed this has to be a get-right game for Man United, right? I don't know if you can pick a better opponent at the moment to play when your team's not playing well to say, look, we need to start getting some sort of results, start getting fans back on board. Man United have to win this game, guy. And it's probably better they're away from home as well. Yeah. Like, I know their home record is what's given Eric Tanhag pretty much his success at United so far. Um but it's so toxic there. Like obviously the ownership situation, which every time there's a bad pass in the stadium you get a new banner out. Um as the sixty million pound signing passes to the seventy million pound signing. <laughs> no, I agree with the Glazers out. I'm just making a point. Um but no if if Man United lose to Burnley at a late kickoff as well it's going to be so toxic. Um, but it's such a strange club because they obviously started last season terribly. I mean, do they just have... I don't rate many of their squad. Like, yeah. even their good player. I think Bruno Fernandes is their best player. Yeah. And the most championed player is probably Rashford. And for instance, I don't think Rashford gets in Liverpool's team or close to it. He doesn't get in Man, Man City's team because Grealish does a unique job. Doesn't get in Arsenal's team because I'd rather have Martinelli, to be honest. Yeah, it's probably closer. Maybe Arsenal. Um, but anyway, um, certainly doesn't get in Spurs' team with Son there. Um, anyway, um, would Eric Ten Hag be under pressure? <sighs> I think it's weird because... The manager at Man United clearly has quite a lot of influence on the signing side and stuff like that. We've had this debate in the Liverpool fandom because Klopp's grabbed a bit more power in in recent times, and it's not gone quite as well. Whereas Man United have zero footballing operations. At least at Liverpool, we have lads who are good at finding players, and maybe Klopp's not the right person to... Um, be in charge of that operation, but we still have the people to find the right players. Whereas United seemingly is, Eric, you worked with him in the Eredivisie. <laughs> that, that is not, that, instead, obviously the uh, Glazer stuff is more about the lack of money and stuff like that. 
they've spent the money, or the club spent their own money. It's the lack of football operations that is just the criminal thing there, because they've spent, I think they've the most spent the most or most expensive assembled squad. I'm not sure if it's still that, but it was a last season, I think. Um, to waste that much money with no football operations and no thought pattern or whatever is actually criminal. Because even if you look at the money spent this year, I think they were second behind Chelsea in money spent. And you saw the team yesterday. Like, if Varane's not there, the defence doesn't work. If Casemiro is not playing at his best, the team doesn't work. If Rashford doesn't skin four people and score, they have no goals. Like, that might change with Hoyland, because he looks actually quite good. Um, By the way, the goalkeeper... Deary me. Mm, 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 mm. Deary me. Like, if they, if you had a line and it was the goalkeeper spectrum, 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 spectrum can't speak, De Gea's one end, Onana's the other, and you've got Alisson in the middle. And this is a long-ass line away from <laughs> Alisson Becker. Because if you, say you put Edison in between Alisson and Onana, like, Onana cannot save a shot that is right at him. At least a Gea could save the occasional thing. Obviously, he wouldn't, like, catch the ball or leave his box or whatever. Like, I've seen this argument, oh, we got rid of De Gea. It's like, you went from one extreme to the other. The answer is in the middle, lad. You need someone who can sweep and save the ball. <laughs> it's not that hard. Um, but to spend 60 mil on him, I, you could have kept De Gea... Obviously, it's not ideal. You could have given Dean Henderson a go. Again, not ideal. But you're telling me you couldn't find a random, I don't know, Chelsea won the league, uh, Champions League with Mendy, a random lad from League 1 for 20 mil. You know what I mean? It's just the, the waste of so much money. Anyway, I've got on tandem, but Man United deserve a rant. And this is from a Liverpool fan. It's actually like, it's beyond the, well, it still is funny for me, let's be honest. Um, but it's actually worrying that a team, a club, an institution the size of United can screw up having such a head start in the world of football and all the money. They basically print money and they screwed it up this much. So money isn't the answer to everything. But in terms of the game itself, again, you mentioned it. We, we've not seen loads of Burnley. They may be the perfect opposition to Man United because, as you said, they do like to play out from the back. And let's be honest, Man United haven't developed on from being an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer counter-attacking team. So if Burnley are going to play out from the back and play um, steady possession, etc., it, it just might be the perfect game for them. But at the same time, if Burnley go ahead in that game, they probably won't retreat as much as, say, Nottingham Forest did a couple of weeks ago when they went 2-0 up and then just decided to go back to their defensive game. Whereas Burnley might just keep packing on the pressure. So it's a weird one. But United, for me, what was it, 83% biggest losers? And it's fully deserved because it's embarrassing. And it wouldn't surprise me if Eric Ten Hag comes under pressure, but it also wouldn't surprise me if Eric Ten Hag goes, I've still got a decent reputation here. I did a good job at United the first year. I'm coming off the back of consistent success at Ajax. And look at Ajax after he left. They went downhill. They've gone awful. Um, so he could rescue his reputation, 
could probably walk back to the Ajax job and steady it again. He could... Dortmund obviously haven't started the season well, could walk in the Dortmund job probably. Um, there's plenty There's plenty of jobs, so if he's even starting to second-guess it, 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 it's very interesting from my point of view, but I'd, if I was a United fan, I'd be terribly worried because this is the guy that was sought after for a whole probably year, maybe year and a half, and it's gone tits up this quickly. It's a massive worry. But in terms of the game itself, I think United will win just because I think Burnley are kind of perfect for them to play. But this could be anything. But I'll say 2-1 United. But if Burnley won like even 3-0, it wouldn't surprise me. Look, the thing with Man United is when it gets to situations like this, where did you say 2-1 to Man United? I did, yes. Yeah, I've I've gone 3-0 to Man United. And the reason I've said that is every time Man United becomes such a big talking point and it's away from home against a team that they should be beating. They go and beat that team. It just somehow works out that way for them. Um, but, I, you know, with regards to the Onana signing, for example, it encapsulates exactly what Man United is. They went and signed the flashy signing, the big name, the person that gets all the headlines, not necessarily the person that functions, you know, in the team the way you want him to execute all the things you want them to execute. No, they go and get who's a player that does something that we need done, but not everything that we need, just one of the elements that we need. Let's go get the flashiest, biggest name that we can. Similar things with when they signed Anthony. Okay, he can dribble. He's fancy name. Go get him. Casemiro. Okay, we need a defensive midfielder. Fancy name. You knew how old Casemiro was. You knew you were going to get one, maybe two seasons from him at the elite level. You would have thought that Man United or at least a club that has, as you say, a, a proper football structure behind the scenes would have looked at that and planned and said, look, we're going to have Casemiro for one, maybe two seasons. What's the plan for when he starts to dip? We need to have someone either in the club already that's going to start taking over or we need to bring someone in from outside that will take over. And they've not done that. They've brought in, obviously, Amrabat now quite late on. But is, is that the standard of what Man United... 26-year-old's going to replace the 30-year-old. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the standard that Man United fans would be expecting. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with you with the whole money thing. I, I, I don't understand why the rhetoric is that they don't spend money. Certainly when it comes to on-field talent, they spend the money. It's just poorly spent. I would understand. Well, you, mentioned, you mentioned Anthony there today, really. They spent, was it 90 million euros on Anthony? Yeah. Like, I know Sancho wasn't a Ten Hag signing, and obviously it's not worked out so far in the ongoing situation with, with Sancho and Anthony, but we won't talk about that. Um, but you had Sancho there, who was a £75 million signing. You had Diallo there, who was a £30 million signing from Atalanta. You had Palestri there, who's a young talent as well. You had like, the Rashfords, right, you had the Ganachos coming up. Yeah. Like, right wing should have been so far down the pecking order. Because even if you didn't want Sancho long term, you could have tried. You could have given him a free reign, and then you could have just brought in Diallo. Because let's be honest, the aim for United, the aim for United should be winning the league, but they're nowhere close to it. That's why you give people time. Like, fine, signing Casemiro, um, Varane, etc. 
to get them into the top four uh, is fine. But did they get top four because they spent 90-odd million euro on Anthony? God, no. Like, if... I think Sancho... I remember doing this on AI on um, uh, over on uh, Anfield Index. I'm pretty sure Sancho played similar levels to Anthony last season. Like, Diallo had a good loan at Sunderland. That's still a £30 million signing. He could have went up levels if he stayed at United doing that in the Premier League. It's just... The resource management at that club just does not exist. It's just on the whim of the manager. No football club should be run as the whim of the manager. Or no big football club aiming to win stuff. Like if Pep Guardiola had free reign at doing signings, imagine how many Spanish regions he had. He'd probably just sign, he'd literally just go on football manager, filter left wing, Argent, right wing, left footed Argentinian wingers and try and find the next Messi. But it's just, you can't do that. You, you can't just sign Eredivisie lads because they play for you. It doesn't work like that. If Klopp signed the entire Dortmund team when he first came to Liverpool, we'd be... Ah, well, Klopp probably won't be at the club anymore. Like, Liverpool, for these teams that aren't... It's weird comparing to Man United because they did have infinite money for a while, but now they have FAP issues. Um, If we weren't the cleverest guy in the room, we wouldn't have had any success at all. If we got Julian Brand instead of Mo Salah or Goetz instead of Mane, then Klopp probably wouldn't have lasted at Liverpool. You've got to be smart when your funds are seemingly limited, obviously because they've screwed up so much. And they're still the dumbest team in the room. That's including Chelsea, who basically have given up on abiding by the rules and just splashing money seamlessly. Like At least Chelsea is like an excuse there. United's the exact same team. (laughs) There is no excuse for United to be this bad. It's just... In last season, you, as an outsider, obviously I thought the Premier League last season was awful. That may just be a Liverpool bias thing, but it was something for United to build on. And it was, maybe they reverted a bit back to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer ball, but you go, well, we've had the success. Let's build on Ten Hag ball. Let's play out from the back a bit more. Let's be able to break down low blocks without sitting back and counter-attacking. They're just still trying to play Ole ball, but it's not working. It's like, where's the development gone? Uh, if I was a United fan, I'd be depressed on my mind. Um, fortunately, I'm a Liverpool fan. Um, Equally as depressing in recent Mason seasons. Up. Yeah, but... We We will get to Liverpool. We will get to yeah. Liverpool. But yeah, look, Man United, there's a whole lot to sort out. The window's over, so there's not anything you can sort out there. I don't think the owners are selling anytime soon. I didn't think no. they were selling anytime soon when obviously people were trying to be the first to predict that they were selling. The market is just not there for them at the moment. No one's willing yeah. to spend what the likes of Man United and the Liverpool owners want for their football clubs. So it, it's going to be a while before they do move on, in my opinion. But, guys, let's take a break, give you a chance to recollect your thoughts, because we're going to do an Arsenal-Spurs combined 11 after this short break. All right, we're back. Guy, Arsenal versus Spurs. We know... This is a big game. North London derby. This was a game that Kane used to dominate. 
if I remember correctly. He's not there. So Spurs are going to need, you know, something else from someone else. I brought Son in to my fantasy team last week. I captained him. I thought he was going to be my foil to all the Haaland captains. Mm. It didn't work out for me. But before we go into the, the nitty gritty of the game itself and, and discussing the two teams, I want to do a combined 11. How are you feeling about that? Bigger picture, how many players of each team do you think we're going to have before we actually crack into this? Ooh, I think it'll be quite evenly split. Question, is it overall or this season form? Ooh, that's a good way to start a team. Um, Let's go with this season. Let's go with this season. Another question. Are we actually going to try and make it work as a team or are we just putting as many attacking players as we No, no, no. It's got to be a team that can make top top three in the Premier League this season. Right, okay. So we can't just have Odegaard, Madison (laughs) in midfield vibing. I get you. Um, We'll see who wins that battle later on. Mm. Um, But in terms of... It wouldn't surprise me if it's 6-5, to be honest. I think it's quite interesting. Okay. So let's... Let's start with the difficult one because we've got 300 keepers that we can go with. Arsenal don't even know who their starting keeper is at mm. the moment. Um, goalkeeper. I think Lawrence. the nominations are Ramsdale, <laughs> Rye, <laughs> and Vicario. Loris is not in the nomination. <laughs> um, yeah, so Ramsdale, Raya, or Vicario. What are you thinking? I think if it was overall, I think it'd be Raya, but he's obviously only played the one game. And I think Vicario has saved the most big shots this season so I'd argue Vicario but I am not a fan of Ramsdale but in terms of form I think it'd be Vicario but this is yeah. a weird one look he, he hasn't necessarily done anything wrong this season it maybe is how I would argue for him going in um, overall yeah I, my choice would probably be Raya but for now let's let, let's go with Vicario I think he's earned the jersey He's going to have to lose the jersey or, you know, to, to, to get taken out of the job at the moment with the way he's played this season. Let's move swiftly on to the right back position. Now, obviously, um, I, I was a huge fan of Emerson Royale. I tried to back him when Spurs fans didn't want him last season. <laughs> um, he's sort of been usurped by Pedro Porro this season. I'm having none of it. My nomination is Emerson Royale. I think he would create good stability defensively because I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of attacking players going forward. We don't need a creative right back in this team. When you look at the creative midfielders that these teams have and, you know, the players I'm assuming we're going to, we're going to put into this team. I think let's get a solid right back in there. Three of that back four need to be defensively minded and defensively astute, in my opinion. Uh, do you have an Arsenal player you want to go against or Poro that you want to put in there? I don't trust Poro defensively. He's not going in the team, no matter what you say. I'm just, saying. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Um, I mean, I suppose if we... I guess we were going to say this to the end. It depends who the manager would be. Who Who would you... If I was picking for Liverpool, Let, let's I, let's make a team and then we'll see who's better right, okay, fit, that, to manager. Okay, I'll make yeah. that argument. Yeah. So I, I, if it was just for the player, I'd want Porro. But for the balance of the team, I'd pick Ben White oh. over Emerson Royale. 
But I think Porro's the best player. But if we're going for a defensive right back, I'd pick Ben White. Dude, Porro's a nightmare defensively. I can't, I can't have, I can't watch a whole season of him at right back for this team. He's going to yeah, cost plus, us souls. Yeah, plus left back up. Oh, I want the new wonder kid there. So, and obviously oh. his, he, he takes free kicks and all that. We got enough of, we've got enough players. I can see the future. We've got enough players that take free yeah. kicks. No, I, like got, that. that's for, that's fine. I, I'd pick Ben White though, because I think, well, obviously Emerson's been usurped. <laughs> So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Ben, ben White goes in under protest. Let it be known. It's under protest. I'm I'm not a fan of this. I think he goes a bit too far forward at right back at the moment. We need stability. But anyway, center back. I'm just gonna fill in Saliba now. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, um, because I think he he is. Um. Uh, again, another question. If we're picking yes. a center back, are we doing right center back against right center back, or are we just going? You play center back. You can play either side. So here, here's my argument. I think Saliba and Romero can play together with Saliba yeah. playing on the left. Yes. That's my, that's, that's my vision. And I'd agree with that, them picks as well. Okay, cool. Let's just slot them in then. Uh, Romero goes in. Obviously the likes of Van der, Van der Ven, et cetera, Gabriel, they don't. I think Gabriel's good, but he's not playing enough this season. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Saliba, the calmness of Saliba, the front footness of Romero. The it's red got that balance. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I needed that defensive uh, right back next to him. But anyway, you've, mm. you've screwed that up already. Right. He's defensive. Left back. <laughs> left back. I think this could be interesting because we've got Zinchenko and we've got Udogi. Um, I don't know if you want to throw in any of the names, a Perisic, a Davies, a Sessegnon. Um, I haven't mentioned Timber because he's injured, so he doesn't yeah. qualify for, for what we're trying to do here. But yeah, I'm assuming Zinchenko and Udoji as, as the leading candidates. I think it, I don't think it's a discussion. I think Udoji's been top two left backs in the league with a Stupinen this season. Yeah. From what I've seen, so I, I think it's an easy pick for Adoji because from what I heard of when he was at Udinese, it was literally he was a flying wing back. But when we've seen under Potch ball, he's like dropping in the midfield. He's combining really well. He's p- picking up positions in the box, so he seems to be more ready than anyone had thought when he was at Udinese. But he, when I've seen him, he's just been fantastic. So I don't think it's an argument to be honest. Yeah, look, it's a very young back four. Um, mm. probably something that, that could come to our detriment later on in the season with, with consistency. But yeah, it's, it's Odoji, Saliba, Romero, and Ben White. Who's going to hold? Who's going to screen? Who's going to be the base of our midfield trio? I'm assuming we're going with, with a base rather than a, a double pivot. Mm. I think Basuma's been better than Rice this season, but I want Rice in the team as well. It's I a don't tough know if one. we need both. But I'm a Liverpool fan. We, <laughs> I think of this. We've had a Fabinho. We've had a Ginny. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, if we play both, we could go put Poro right back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could bring Poro back uh, in. Yeah. Um... I think I think Basuma has had the better season so far. Oh, this is going to be controversial. I okay. play. I pick both of them. 
Nah, guys, pick Basuma. You all heard it here. I think Bas- if it's if I can only have one, I'd pick Basuma. I think Rice is the better player overall, but I think he's. I think Basuma's had an excellent start to the season. Right, guy thinks Rice is shit. He's yeah. brought on Basuma. Okay, all the Rice crap. <laughs> Let's move on to. Who did you pick? The two eights. No, you, you chose Basuma. I, okay. I just went. No, with that, means, that means that means you picked Basuma as well. I just went. I argue. just went. What you said. I just yeah. went. What you said. Um, I thought I'd throw you a bone in that one. All right. Yeah, okay. So in midfield, we've got nominations. I guess of we've got Madison, Odegaard. Um, I'm looking at the Spurs midfield. Apart I from Mad- Sars being good. Oh, Sars is a shout. You know. I'm not saying I'm picking him. But but he. He's, he's, is, he at least deserves a shot. No, no, he absolutely does. See, this is why, because I'm not sure if you'd agree, I know he's been used, well, Arsenal do weird things with their formation, don't they? I think Rice is better as a link than the six. So this is why I think you'd have Basuma as the sitter, you'd have Rice doing basically box-to-box run-all-day stuff, and you'd have Odegaard in the other one. <laughs> oh, he's leaving Madison out. He's gonna leave Madison out. Madison's bit. It's, is that all? Is that overall speaking? Because Madison did just win Player of the Month. He's gonna uh, leave. I can see it coming. Are you going Rice and Odegaard? I don't think you can pick Madison and Odegaard if you're actually trying to make a team team. <laughs> oh, that's horrid, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, is, is it? I mean, if you look at it from it's at tough. least from from what we're going to need from that position, that creative link between the midfield and the attack, um, probably going to be needing a lot of chances created, etc. Expected goals, expected assists for Odegaard: not point three five, not point not nine for assists. Um, we've got James Madison, who's at. 0.37 for goals, 0.43 for assists. <sighs> hmm. I don't know what was you that want o- to do. Was that there. open play or set piece? Oh, yeah, he does take set pieces as well, I guess. I think that includes set pieces. But yeah, guy, okay. You got to make a decision here. <laughs> Odegaard or Madison? On this season, it's Madison. So I'm okay. technically picking Madison then. Okay. And so then right- Declan Rice on the left? Okay. Yeah. All right. I like the balance. I like the balance. Would All you, right. Would you? Would was that what you'd pick? No, no, no. Let Let's carry on. Let's carry on. Okay. So <laughs> we've got on the right hand side. I'm nominating Saka. I don't think I, anyone else, you know, stands a chance to get into the team. There. The interesting thing: does Son qualify as a left wide player or as a striker? Um. How How do you want to? What are you seeing for the team? Do you have a striker in mind? Maybe Gabriel Jesus or Nketiah? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Richarlison makes this team based on form. Oh, God, no. Um, he's at the bottom sort of appearance, hasn't he? Um, I mean, it's weird because Son obviously scored the hat-trick playing up front, but I don't think he was... I think he was good playing the left wing, but he obviously hasn't got the massive numbers. And Nketiah's got goals, hasn't he? But he's not the best player, so it's hard to compare. I'd maybe go Son up front. Because okay. I think he has been good. And he's obviously got the big goal game. 
But I think his general play has been better than Enketia's. So I'd say Son up front, because it seems okay. to be him and Richarlison rotating. And then that leaves left-hand side for Martinelli, question mark? Parasitch. Martinelli to go on there. All right, so the team is Vicario in goal, Ben White at right-back, centre-backs are Saliba and Romero with Odoji playing left-back. We've got Basuma holding in midfield with Rice and Madison as the eights, Saka on the right, Martinelli on the left with Son up front. Does this team make top three, Guy? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. And if you obviously look at the players who weren't picked as well, um, they could easily, literally a couple games of form and it could even look even better if Odegaard, obviously, I think most people would agree overall is better than Madison. Um, so it could look better there. One of the strikers could move Son to the left and then it could improve further. Um, one of the goalkeepers could step up and it'd look even better, in my opinion. But yeah, I think in terms of the Premier League, as it is at the minute, I think it'd, it'd be them and Liverpool fighting for second easily. Right, Guy, we've got our combined 11. Now, before we move on to the game, we got to pick a manager for this team. Mikel Arteta or Ange Postacogli? Now, it's Ange, not Ange, I've been told. It's Ange Postacogli. Yeah, I don't think Ange would be the hard bit of his name, to be honest. <laughs> um, it, it's a weird one. I think, objectively, the answer is Mikel Arteta because he's obviously taken the Arsenal team from being a joke to being a contender. Um, but if if I was answering this, say, who I'd prefer to manage Liverpool, I'd say Postacoglu. But I think the answer is Arteta in terms of the better manager at the minute. But more fun, more exciting football, I'd pick Ange. But... The answer is Arteta. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not annoying more Arsenal fans. I'm picking Arteta. Oh, you're cowering out. It's Ange. He's brought yeah. the feel-good factor. We want this team to have a feel-good factor. I think Arteta is starting to do that thing where he's trying to be too clever. He had things that were going well for him last season, and then he started changing them for no apparent reason. Like well, obviously, we there's we a reason. We didn't even discuss Partey as a right-back. So we don't do that like, stuff. Do you get what I mean? Like, it, yeah. no. To me, it's Ange. Um, I agree with you. If there's a manager, one for Liverpool between the two, it's Ange. I think Arteta is trying to be too clever at the moment. And I would be worried about what he would do with this team in terms of formation and trying to make things too funny. Let's go with Ange. Manager of the month. I think that's an easy pick. Unless you want, oh, unless you, you wanted you to go you to a vote, unless you no, wanted to no. go to, well, no, as in we Actually, can put a yeah, post like, out. We'll like put it. a post out on Twitter and and we'll let the fans decide. But they they know where where I lie. I lie well, with Ange. You, you let lie me with take all the heat on the team, and now you're putting your foot down for Ange. I see how it is. <laughs> Look, we'll we'll see what the the fans have to say, guys. Do definitely go and vote on who you think should be the manager of that team. All right, let, let's move on to the game itself. Then. I, I want to hear your tweets for that team. No, 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 it's good. Let, let, let's, let's, we'll tweet it out. We'll see what people have to say. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm setting you up here quite nicely. Um, yeah. Arsenal versus Spurs, North London Derby. It, it, it's at the Emirates Stadium. I nearly said Highbury there for, for a second, but it's at the Emirates. 
I, I, I don't know what to make of this game, guy, because Spurs, I think, are creating a lot of chances going forward. I haven't been impressed with Arsenal this season, apart from, obviously, the resilience that they've shown in games where even when it's not working out for them, they find a way to get the win. That's been impressive. But in terms of their overall play, I think Spurs have played better than Arsenal this season. I'm going to go with an upset here. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Spurs win. Um, seeing as the Arsenal fans will hate me now that after that combined 11, I'm going to back Arsenal to win, <laughs> uh, which is probably a curse knowing my prediction game. Um, I've, oh God, I'll have to watch the Liverpool game. I probably won't get to see this game. Gutted. I like the North London derby. Um, free to Arsenal. Free to Arsenal. Look, that, that would be a, a, a fascinating game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, hopefully it lives up to the hype. Sometimes these games don't. Um, but usually when it comes to North London derby, there, there are goals in that one. Let's move on to the big winners of this weekend, Brighton. They will be hosting Bournemouth, who got that nil-nil draw with Chelsea, which was quite comical, um, on Sunday. But Brighton, are they just going to continue to, to, to roll on this good form that they have at the moment? They're playing some really good football, guy. Yeah, they're playing excellent football. I think Bournemouth have been quietly quite good. Um, I think they look much a much more sustainable Premier League team than what they did last season under Gary O'Neill, but they did spend a lot of money to do that. Um, but you'd have to make Brighton favourites for this game. Um, they obviously probably get the South American lads back, because obviously I think it's stupid and missed the game. Uh they probably have another 700 <laughs> um, South American, but and Cecil's obviously injured. Uh, trying to think who else bloody plays. I think Evan Ferguson was only a short-term injury. I know he's not South American, um, but he might be back. Uh, I think, yeah, Brighton should win this. But it wouldn't surprise me if it's a cheeky draw, but I'll go... I'll go 2-0 Brighton. I think the thing with Bournemouth is they look good in general play, and I understand the role Solanke does, but as soon as he gets in front of goal, it's like rabbit in headlights. So I think maybe they need to get Semenyo back in the team because he's the only one I've when I've watched Brighton this season make an impact and look like threatening the goalkeeper, where Solanke, he holds the ball up, he presses really well, works his absolute arse off. Uh, but then I think they need that threat. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when the teams come out there. But no, I'll go. I'll go two 0 Brighton, and they've just been so bloody good this season so far. I had two 0 on my score sheet as well, so I'm just going to stick with it. Um, I I do think Brighton are going to be able to sort of stifle Bournemouth just purely on possession. They're just going to keep the ball for too long. For, for Bournemouth to be able to get into any sort of rhythm and, and try and cause them problems. And then we know the attacking potential that Brighton have with the likes of Matoma. Um, obviously, Estupina didn't play this past week, but you'd imagine he'll be back into the team as well. Solly Marsh maybe comes back into the team as well. They've got enough going forward, I think, to, to cause Bournemouth problems. And they continue to be a really, really good team this season. Um, Brighton have European football, do they? Um, yes, obviously, that is then something that is going to be interesting to keep an eye on whether or not it affects them 
they play on Thursday night. They do that Thursday, Sunday thing. It's going to be the first time for a lot of these Brighton players. Do they sort of get distracted by that? Do they struggle to, to, to keep up with that dreaded Thursday, Sunday, um, turnaround? That will be interesting to see. I still think they're going to have enough in this one. 2-0. I agree with you there. Let's move on to another interesting case in Chelsea. Um, they play Aston Villa. Guy, this was meant to be Chelsea's easy run of fixtures. They've not really produced the way many people were expecting during this, you know, set of fixtures that they had or last couple of fixtures that they had. Disappointing to get the nil-nil draw at Bournemouth last time out. Coming up against a confident Aston Villa side. I mean, Diaby is looking phenomenal for, for Aston Villa at the moment. They also have issues with their, when it comes to their striker scoring goals. Ollie Watkins goals have somehow dried up this season. Is that a concern for both teams heading into this one that both of their strikers in Jackson and, and Ollie Watkins can't seem to get the ball in the back of the net? Yeah, I think more, more, obviously more so from a Chelsea point of view, because I think, Villa obviously have Diaby, who's started the season quite well. Even Leon Bailey started the season quite well. And John Duran came on and just decided to be a monster <laughs> the other day, um, which was fun. That goal was mm, chef kiss. Um, I, yeah, so I think Chelsea it's more of an issue because they don't seemingly have an alternative. And obviously with Nkunku's injury, the goal-scoring pressure is a lot on Jackson. Obviously, Sterling will pop up and score, but he seems to be the only one because the left-wingers don't seem to be able to know how to play football at the minute. Um, the rest of the midfield, I mean, Conor Gallagher's playing as the most advanced. It doesn't exactly scream goal threat, does it? Um, whereas Villa, quite a few options, like even Zaniolo's, has had goals in his game back in the Serie A days, if I remember correctly. Watkins, we know he'll just work his ass off all day, and probably same for Jackson. Um, but Watkins, I think he can impact the game without scoring quite a bit. Um, it'll be interesting to see how how seriously t- they take the Conference League in midweek, um, because obviously they should be able to reserve their way through that competition. Um, it's a tough game because Villa obviously, sorry, not Villa, Unai Emery has a very weird away record in football and it seemed to go away for a little bit at the start of his Villa career, but it seems to have read its ugly head again uh, so far this season. But Chelsea are so bad. Like, the defence is odd. Like, it doesn't look coherent in terms of breaking, uh, playing out from the back. The manager had a go at the fullbacks for playing too high. Okay. Uh, the goalkeeper's kind of fine if you're a mid-table team. Um, it's, I think Villa are going to win this. I think Villa are going to win this 2-0. Wow. That would just cause, I mean, I don't know who would be in the hottest seat, um, Ten Hag or Pochettino if that ends up happening. But yeah, 2-0 you've predicted there for Aston Villa. I've gone 1-1. Um, I, I expect it to be a tight game. I expect it to be a close game. Um, both teams 
strikers struggling to score goals, as I've said. I, I just see it being a game where Chelsea are going to not want to lose it first and foremost, even though it's at home, um, because they know the threat that Aston will have on the counter-attack, and it's just going to lead to a, a very tight game that ends in a frustrating draw for both teams. Let's move on to Liverpool versus West Ham, two teams that obviously... Well, from a Liverpool perspective, first half didn't play well. Second half played really well. From a West Ham perspective, I thought first half they played really well against Man City. And then second half, it sort of started to crumble for them. Um, what are you expecting from this game? I know West Ham will be similar to the Man City game, fancying their chances when it comes to counterattacks, fancying their chances when it comes to set pieces. Can they cause this Liverpool team problems? And I guess more important from a Liverpool perspective, are Van Dijk and Konate going to be back for this game? Because I don't know if I fancy Mikel Antonio, I mean, going up against some of those uh, Liverpool defenders that have been playing recently. I, I think he would absolutely bully them. Yeah, I think um, the only bad, but not the only bad thing, the interesting thing, obviously, I'm saying I didn't watch the full Liverpool game is I didn't get to see Kwanzaa in full. Obviously, I've seen like the odd highlight um where is the odd bit of panic but he seemed to defend quite well at times and most people said he was steady um but the team was obviously awful in that first half so i might i'll probably go back and watch it when i can be bothered um to see stuff like that um yeah you're right there though west ham against city and obviously brighton's probably the better example because they won that game um liverpool will dominate possession but Liverpool are much more susceptible to counter-attacks than Man City, especially. Maybe not so Brighton, because well, they got beat like 4-0 by Everton last season. <laughs> um, Van Dijk's back, unless he told another referee to F off, but that seems to be only a <laughs> Liverpool punishment, seeing as Jordan Pickford did a naughty word, and nothing's been made of it. Um, anywho, Ibu obviously came off the bench, so I'm guessing he'll be fine. Um, we obviously play Thursday, so sort of West Ham actually. So maybe um, that'll answer our question here in terms of who will play. But say we wanted to get Van Dyke, maybe a little bit of rust off him, but he did play in the international break. Maybe he plays Thursday with Kwanzaa to kind of keep him in the spin of things. I'm not sure if Trent's back. Ooh. I don't like that. <laughs> don't like that to do. I mean, to go as against... Who the hell plays left wing? Ben Rama. Uh, That's uh, who I'd be sticking uh, with. I don't like that. Do not like that to do. Um, mind, if Gomez... From what I understand, we played the false inverted midfielder thing with Joe Gomez in the first yes. half? Yes. He, so Joe Gomez played the Trent role. Do, do, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't yeah. do that with Joe Gomez um, so if Gomez plays as a right back that might be fine but if he has to play midfield at the same time that's awful um, so hopefully Trent's back but if he's not it'll be Gomez, Ibu, Van Dijk I presume um, I don't think Ibu will play Thursday because he has more pringly um, limbs than Van Dijk um, but yeah I think this is a real weird game I think if Liverpool score early and that's obviously been a bit of an issue, but we've had these weird games where we're getting people sent off. Um, 
But say if we match our Aston Villa performance, I think Liverpool will be do very well and probably win. But if we have this sloppy thing where we give away a goal a la Newcastle, where we send the opposition players through on goal by our own passes, um, it'll be ugly. So, it, oh God, horrid cl- cliche. Whoever scores first, <laughs> important. <laughs> um, I'll back my team because as long as Dominic Sabozla is playing, I'm happy. And I think we'll win again. Um but I think it'll be ugly. I think it'll be horrid. I think it'll be a really tough game. And I, uh, I'll say 3-1 Liverpool, but that won't paint the picture. I think it'll be like 1-1 at some stage and then maybe it breaks down towards the end or something like that. But I think I'll say 3-1 Liverpool because Mo Salah's phenomenal at the min. Darwin's playing really well. Um, and obviously Diaz has been fantastic as well. So I think if we play that front three, we can get at the West Ham defence. But if we play the stodgy Gakpo Jota thing that I don't like, it, it could be a bit of an ugly game. But um, yeah, I'll back my boys and I'll say 3-1 Liverpool. Yeah, I was tossing between 1-1 and 2-1 uh, to Liverpool. I think the edge was Anfield for me. It's been yes. many a time a fortress for, for Klopp. Uh, during his tenure at Liverpool, and I think that will be enough to see them get through this game. But yeah, as you said, the big thing is Van Dijk and Kanate need to be back in the team. Hopefully, if Trent's not playing, just play a traditional back four. Don't put Gomez into midfield like they tried to do in that even first half against playing, Wolves. It's, it's not, yeah, even look, if Trent ideally, just came in there. <laughs> ideally, yeah, ideally you'd hope that, but it, it doesn't seem like um, that's going to be happening anytime soon. They They seem embedded in this um, box midfield that they've been playing. But yeah, it should be an interesting game. The weekend ends off with Sheffield United versus Newcastle. Guy, Newcastle finally get that win, that elusive win that they've been chasing for a, a couple of games now. Come up against the Sheffield United side, who I thought held their own against um, Tottenham, frustrated them, took the lead, and then just crumbled at, at the end of the game. Um Obviously, the pressure of Tottenham continue, continuously attacking, attacking, attacking saw fruitful benefits for them. But I think Sheffield United, considering how so many people wrote them off at the beginning of the season, I think they've given a good account of themselves. Obviously, the results don't necessarily reflect that, but maybe in a similar camp to Wolves where they're playing okay, they just clearly don't have the quality of some of the other teams, and that ends up being their undoing. But in terms of structure what they're trying to do, how they're trying to get their points. I think they've been okay. Um, Newcastle, they're in the group of death in the Champions League. I'm going 1-1 in this game because of that. I think Newcastle are going to have to play a really strong team in that Champions League game, um, obviously, this week. And then I think Sheffield United would have had the whole sort of week to prepare for this game, isolate Newcastle. Obviously, it's a homecoming for Tonale going back to Milan in midweek. I think the game is on uh, tomorrow, so Tuesday. It helps that they're playing Sunday. It gives them enough time to to sort of rest and get prepared for this game. But I do think they're going to have some Champions League fatigue in their legs and it's going to end with a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I like I like the thinking behind. Obviously, Newcastle's squad isn't the biggest as well. Um, and they've not looked the prettiest. They seem to be struggling to find a balance in midfield. 
Bruno and Tonali at the same time. I think Bruno's not started the season too well, whereas Tonali, obviously his debut was excellent. I haven't watched Newcastle loads outside the Liverpool game and the first game. Um, and Sheffield have been the best of the promoted team, unless Burnley like spanked Forest 5-0 in an hour or so. Um, but... I'll back Newcastle because I think they should win that game. And if their aim is to get European football again, not saying Champions League football, you you simply have to beat Sheffield United. You have to beat these teams down there if you are to become a European team. Um, I think it'll be horrendous. I think it'll be ugly. Um, and I will say one nil Newcastle. Oh, one nil! Look, that will do for Newcastle. Um. Obviously coming off of the Champions League. But guy, that is going to do it for another episode of a tad predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Um everything over on Anfield Index. Uh I don't I, I'm not sure. I might be doing the post match show for the West Ham game. Actually, I'm doing the preview for the last game, so if you're a Liverpool fan. We can learn together what the hell Alaska is. Because <laughs> um, I think it'll be me and Carl Matchett, um, because Dave is busy at the men. But basically, we'll probably mostly talk about Liverpool because outside of Salzburg, it's Austrian football, I'll be honest. But I will try and research players before I do teams and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I'll be on AI tomorrow, which is live on Discord if you're, if you're a subscriber. Uh, if you're a pro person, Jesus, uh, doing a good job selling here. But, Anfield uh, Index a, Pro. Yes, Anf- yes. look at today you host. Yeah, uh, I'm better at hosting when I'm prepared to host people, don't worry, I have a host <laughs> voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, and I'll be on Two Footed on Friday, um, and post West Ham, I might be hosting that, but we're not decided that yet. But uh, Anfield Index, I'll be there, and I'll be either there in the background, or I'll be there at the forefront. Uh, then front of the microphone or behind the glass. Thank nah, you, guy. Um, mine was better. <laughs> <laughs> from my end, guys, go check out EPL Index website. Guys, so many articles going on there. Um, the match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, as well as news. I know, obviously, there was um, with potential Liverpool contract signings that are happening um, for players coming up. There's some news there if you want to go check that out. Go check out the daily podcast show. It's a two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. Finally, go check out the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the EPL. Go and follow this show's Twitter page, at a tad predictable. Write in the comment section. Let us know what you think about Guy Drinkle's combined 11. Um Go and follow at EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index on your podcast channel providers. Give us five stars. Write positive comments. That stuff really, really does help us out. I've been Tadio Chinakira. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. A huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA. And Jody McKenna, she's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. He's been Guy Drinkle. In front of them, uh, he's been our producer. He's usually behind the glass, but he is in front of the mic today. Thank you for subbing in, Guy. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinashura.
Social Podcast Network.